Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. When you bet fair on football, you get daily rewards. So any day can be a big deal. So whether it's a lower league match day, a top flight derby day, or a Champions League superstar showdown day. This week, we're doubling our daily rewards. Get a 10 euro free bet when you bet 20 euro worth of multiples or bet builders. Double daily rewards because we're bet fair. Max 10 euros free bet per day. Each bet must have at least one selection of minimum odds of 1.5 or 1 to 2 or more. Free bet valid 24 hours on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Visit gamblingcare.ie. This is a crowd podcast. Check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to 21st Century Football. It's season two. By Jove, they've done it. The Euros is on the horizon and we are going to be waxing lyrical about every single Euros as much as we can get. And today we are starting with Euro 2000. My name is Will Brazier. I'm joined by Statman Dave. Dave, you were how old at the time? Uh, ten years old. Wow. A, a, a young lad making my way in the game. Did, what, were Excel spreadsheets about them? What oh, were you doing for yourself? I think Football Manager, the first one I played was CM0001. Right, nice. And honestly, I think that was the best one I've ever played. Yeah. I played in central midfield with um, Edgar Davids <laughs> and Zinedine Zidane. Were you called Statman Dave I was then, called or? David O'Brien and wow. I was one of the best central midfielders in world football. Little, that's your real name, isn't it? That is, yeah. The we official name. Kayfabe. Ad Brown, how are you? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, I was slightly older. I was like 13, so I was probably also on Champman. Uh, mm. Probably not quite as good a player as Dave was. But, so is this you know. the second Euros that you remember? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I remember 96. I was kind of got caught up in the in the wave of that. Yeah. But then 2000 was the first one that I could properly get my teeth into and be like, right, okay, I understand everything now. Like, you know, I understand how it all works. In 96, I just lost my head and was just cheering yeah. just randomly because everyone else was. But yeah, this one was like the first one where I took it quite seriously. Um, we are, of course, going back to our old friend Wikipedia, which oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. is the font of knowledge. Um, and Ad, I believe you're kicking us off with just some facts to set the scene. Interestingly, the thing about Euro 2000 was it was the first time a Euros was co-hosted uh, and held in more than one nation. So if you think back, it was Belgium and the Netherlands, um, and then the 16 qualifying teams, 
Uh, Belgium, obviously, Netherlands, you automatically qualify when you host it. Czech Republic, Norway, Sweden, Spain, Italy, Germany, France, Romania, Yugoslavia, Portugal, Denmark, England, Slovenia and Turkey as well. Love that. Dave, where are you taking us? A high-scoring tournament with a number of excellent matches, high-scoring games, which I imagine we'll talk about later on. Very high standard of football as well. Euro 2000 is named by many football writers as one of the greatest international tournaments ever. I think we've got a question, though. Yeah. No, no, people like Brazil to, they, World Cup. Yeah, yeah but yeah. the people like to sort of, it's almost like a bit of the hipster's choice sometimes when they look back at it and go, yeah, yeah Euro 2000 was the tournament. Ruben yeah. Diaz, player of the year. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guys, yeah, we're them, just going to write this. Th- yeah. Those kind, yeah. those kind okay, of... Okay, uh, doesn't matter, yeah. You know, those kind of sort of, uh, the, the hipster, hipster fans like that, they do seem to have a little sort of a penchant for a Euro 2000 when it comes to looking at the kind of play that was, was played. I mean, there's some great moments, which we'll get into. Of course. Well, uh, speaking of great moments, they had a great mascot as well. Um, I've got the official mascot of the tournament was Bene Lucky, and that's a pun. Bene Lucky. It's, it's nice, Belgian, more Flemish. Flemish, more, more guttural. Good God. Um, th- that's a pun, apparently, on Ben Lux. <laughs> um, a-, a lion-devil hybrid with its mane having the flag colours of both host nations. The lion is the national football emblem of the Netherlands and the devil is the emblem of Belgium. The Red Devils. Um, facts that you can... It's not the best mascot. No? No. I prefer. I remember the, the France 98 one was good. But I don't yes. know. Do you remember? All the um, we can't, yeah, we can't really speak too much. But obviously, I thought all the branding around France ninety eight was yeah. amazing. Yeah, it, yeah, really, really, really set the stall out. <laughs> even <laughs> just, even just, as a seven year old, a seven year old Will Brazier, that branding is spot That's on. Mummy I mean, and Daddy. I mean, some of the football played in this tournament was brilliant, but the branding, mm, come on. If you ever say daddy on this podcast again, <laughs> That's what you yeah. just do an impression of you, bro. Yeah, can, we, can we just bleep that out just in case it sounds yeah, a little daddy. bit bad? No, no, no. no. We're going to be going through uh, the whole tournament, of course, but we've obviously got our England hat on. Um, and we're going to start with the squad because we have to cast our mind back 21 years to have a look at this squad. And there's some fantastic names. Uh, Dave, any what's the big one standing out for you? I'll start. Thanks. Great question. Uh, <laughs> Nigel Martin for me. I just really, I think I wanted to be a keeper at that age and thought I had a real good chance and I had the, the goalkeeper jersey. Yeah. A nice sort of, would you say like a mustard yellow? Uh, yeah. Yellow? Yeah, I'll give you that. Mustard yellow? I think the thing with this squad is, um, Go on. Will, is that I think that uh, Keegan at the time, who obviously was the England manager for anyone doesn't, doesn't know he was managing England yeah. at the time, um, he had that kind of, he was in a difficult situation. We had a lot of good young players that came through that ultimately we saw in the Euros following that. Yeah. And it was kind of that, is he going to take them or is he not? And he, he kind of went with the old guard, really. You know, the players that had been in the previous Euros, he started kind of a bit of a hangover from some of those players. And it was it was really about what's he going to do? Is he going to kind of go with the youth? There's quite a lot of names that he could have thrown in there, which maybe weren't quite ready. I know Rio Ferdinand didn't make it. Kieran Dyer was one of the players that was potentially going to quite make it into the squad. But ultimately, he went with the older players, more experienced. But I don't know if it... Well, clearly it didn't work. But I just think that at the time, there was a lot of pressure on him to, to go with the younger players. I mean, there's some of the players that got in there. Dennis Wise. Yeah, Martin I mean... Keown, I mean, one of the main things that... Paul Ince, Adams, in 2000. Is know, he at the peak? One player definitely had his peak. I think probably the best player in the world at that point, David Beckham. Yeah. Put my hat out and say yeah. that. So that, that you know, this it's a it's a good squad. It's got quality there. A lot of centre forwards as well. Andy Cole missed out. Yeah, no, he on was the injured. With an injury, he was injured because I know what you're trying to do. No, there. no, I'm, I'm just, just, I'm just, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm trying to cut you up. more quality there. There's a lot of forwards in there. Obviously showed Keegan's attacking style, yep. but was there balance? 
um, the 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 balance seemed was lacking. Uh, no left backs, I think, which you pointed out. Well, we did have one left back, which is Phil Neville, which yeah. we will come on to later. And I think at the time, Gareth Barry, the idea was that he could fill in at left back if needs be. An auxiliary left back still seems to be that thing. I can play. I got players that fill in. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. And you literally say, have a full country of people to pick. Who would have been the best left back at, in the year two thousand? Maybe Graham Lasso might have been there. Might have been slightly too early for Ashley Cole, yeah, possibly. Definitely too early for yeah. Ashley Cole. Who was it? Uh, it probably would, it would have been Graham Lasso, I would have thought. I think he was 98, so yeah. But I mean, you look at the, the, the defenders there Phil Neville, Gary Neville, Saul Campbell, Adams, Keown, Southgate. Oh, I actually forgot. Yeah. Went to Euro 2000. Uh, and then Gareth Barry, I think, was the youngest member of the squad. Um, obviously, we touched on the keepers Seaman Martin, Richard Wright. Midfielders there, you've got that. You know, United contingent with Beckham and Scholes. Nicky Barnby was absolute don on uh, Pro Evolution. Where's Nicky Butt in there as well? Yeah, Nicky Butt was yeah. an interesting omission there. But then again, was he, you could argue, probably wasn't a, a regular for United. He wasn't starting for United. He was still a big part of the United squad at the time. But then you've got Gerard, who was definitely in that core of those young players that were coming through, with the real Ferdinand and Kieran Dyer and Lampard and those kind of players. Uh, and Steve McManaman, of course, was, you know, Pulling up the proverbial trees at Real Madrid at the time, you couldn't you couldn't ignore Stevie Mac, could you? Very, very, very underrated Stevie Mac. Well, definitely. This is the year before he starred in the Man of the Match performance in the Champions League final for Real Madrid. So definitely a high quality footballer. Uh, but I think again, like you're looking at the the classic England four four two. There's a lot of players in there that work, but I just think maybe they were lacking something. Someone okay. solid in midfield, mate. You know, let's say Michael Carrot was a few years older. Mm. Other names that were missing out, I think it was due to injury. Ray Parler, Jamie Redknapp, yep. but Jamie Redknapp always seemed to miss out on injury. Dave, like you said, it seemed to just lack something that squad. I don't know what it was. A little bit of. But then you've got Prime Michael Owen here when he still had his hamstrings and his knees. Alan Shearer, obviously. Kevin Phillips was an absolute bagsman at that point in his life. Then yeah. Robbie Fowler. And then Fowler. you've got the you've got. I think you've got a good starting eleven. I mean, the keepers is probably the best pool of talent, and that says. <laughs> yeah, I think what it lacks is. I don't that know sometimes... what's with you and these goalkeepers. Oh, they just, weren't that good. I just. What, David, uh, David Seaman? We're, 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 we'll continue through David Seaman and his... Nigel Martin. I mean, the Nigel Martin's so unlucky to come up in an era where David Seaman was alive. <laughs> um, anyway, should we get on to the group stages? Because the squad was announced and England were put into Group A. They had Portugal, Romania and Germany with them. Now, you'd probably think that the, the league table writes itself in that. But <laughs> this is football, guys. Surprises happen. Um, and no more surprising that we played Portugal and after 18 minutes... We were 2-0 up against one of the favourites. Paul Scholes with a header, McManaman back post for 18 minutes. I was reading an article earlier. It said, you know, after 18 minutes, we've got a chance of winning the tournament. Oh, it felt, honestly, it was the euphoria. I remember just thinking... Where were you watching the game? I was at home. Yeah. Mum and dad, my brother. Was just, I remember at the time thinking, we're going to win this. Yeah. Like, honestly, the, 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 I thought Keegan attacking football... I thought this is unbelievable. I, I, I never like in the tournaments that I'd watched previously. There'd always been that element of like jeopardy when you're watching. You think, oh, no, something's going to go wrong, and you, f- you think about the heartbreak and. Pen- I just thought we're playing free flowing football here. This is unbelievable. Actually, to to play the Kevin Keegan style at the time, which yeah. we, we'd become accustomed to in the Premier League, I was like, I can't believe it. We've managed to actually translate that kind of football into the international scene, and I was like, this is 18 minutes in, we've got to be one of the favourites, and then. Solely started going a little bit wrong, didn't it? You score three, we'll score two. Unfortunately, we will lose. Um, Figo, is this a prime Lewis Figo? Is this pre-Pighead? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a very, very good Lewis Figo, but I think Rui Costa was probably the star oh, of the show. He's been uh, incredible. And I think that's something that 
when you look at the England side and set up one position that potentially would cause them trouble, cause them trouble in a sense is a number 10 playing between the lines. And obviously that's, we're talking years before the holding midfield of the Makaleli role. So definitely a problem for England um, dealing with players like Rui Costa, a fantastic footballer who had a very, very good tournament. But yeah, Figo, there's a lot of talent in there in that Portugal team. But I do feel with England, look, you're 2-0 up. This is why England don't win international tournaments. Like, where's your game management? Where is your you know, ability to, to sit a bit deeper and play on the counter-attack. Like there's there's so many examples of England teams that don't have it quite right. Yeah. And being 2-0 up in a game, you know, in a group where you've got Germany, you've got Romania. Yeah. I don't underestimate, underestimate Romania. And I think that advantage and the quality that England had, they should have done more. I mean, the thing is, you mentioned um, like Rui Costa. A lot of people have described this as being almost a tournament of the number 10, where we start seeing that kind of transition of, of of play where you're getting those players in those in the pocket rather than a flat four four yeah you just I mean obviously it took England quite a lot longer to catch on just coming on to it yeah exactly I, yeah we're not quite there yet I don't think but you know um, you're starting seeing you know the Zidane's Rui Costa oh. those kind of players that can that can make something happen in in for you know English players. Probably weren't really used to it because obviously week in week out playing the Premier League you're not really getting players that have that I think you did it. have a few you had Eric Cantona Zola. Yeah, to, not to, English, to name a few, not. but not not yeah, not English players yeah. in a sense, and I think that might be where you look at it and, and the management as well. You know, two centre forwards throughout the entire game, yeah, it works. But then I think defensively you need to be good. Yeah, well, and I think you look at the England midfield that played a lot of the tournament. It was quite an attacking midfield mm. with what Scholes, McManaman, Beckham, and then one player that you'd say like an Ince or a, a Wise. And I feel like that potentially was was the, the downfall to this England side. It's it, again going back to it. The balance, I don't think, was quite right. Yeah. Um, and, they, you know, they got opened up. They really did get opened up in certain games. I mean, Dennis Wise came on a couple, in a couple of games and he was out on the left, mm. which... Well, four years later, spooky. he was managing Millwall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I like to say the balance was a little bit off. Um, but then, obviously, after the Portugal game... Well, I just wanted to mention in the Portugal game, the Luis Figo absolute thunder yeah. bastard, oh, which, good I mean, goal. David Seaman, probably one of the greatest goalies of all time. Um, look at me like that. I mean, I, mean you're probably, I imagine, Will, you were watching going. I was trying to grow a ponytail and a mustache at the age of nine. I, well, I thought you were really yeah. thinking the that should have been Nigel Martin. Nigel Martin mate, should have be a word there. with yourself. Is that a real mustache? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, absolute thunder bastard from him. And then I forgot, uh, maybe it says about my brain power, but we beat Germany at a major tournament. Yeah. And that's just that's just gone under the carpet. Alan Shearer. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem with that was that I, I remember watching the game and thinking, oh my God, we just beat Germany. But then we quickly found out that Germany were absolutely awful in that tournament. In the, in the German so squad, there's quite... a 39-year-old Lothar Matthias. Yeah, what a player. Mehmet Scholl as well was an oh! absolute baller in the day. But, 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 they, but they were going through a very similar thing. To They were actually probably a couple of years ahead of what England were going they, through. They redesigned their entire yeah. FA after this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they so they, they, they oh, yeah, redesigned yeah. everything. They, yeah. they redesigned their coaching strategy, player, player recruitment, player development. That that's why Germany are number one right now. This is one of the tournaments that kicked them and they realised we aren't actually very good anymore. Yeah. Because they're coming from an era here where they're playing a sweeper for the majority of the 90s. Obviously, we're not allowed to talk about that, but players like Matthias Sammer in a in a back five having a free role and, and Germany had to move on. I think this is the tournament where one point um, at the Euros wasn't good enough and I think they identified that. Whereas, obviously, we didn't identify that yeah, and continue doing the same days. thing. We got three points. Yeah, we got three points and we Two got knocked out. You know, obviously Romania, we can't discredit them, but England should be beating this Romania team with the talent that England have. 
Yeah. Well, let's go into it because it comes down to the final game of the group stages. England just need to get a point against Romania. Uh, Romania side that we're accustomed to as well from the World Cup. We go 1-0 down, Chira gets a penalty. We go 2-1 up. And then in the 89th minute after an equaliser, Phil Neville flings out a leg. I was actually down the park um, and it's the first time I've ever heard like a like a, a, mass, a swear word. Uh, no, well, I heard a cheer first and then a big cry, but Phil just dangles a leg out, doesn't he, Adam? <laughs> well, wait, let me just analyse this. You were in the park and I was, do you, you know a cheer I'm, and then a big cry, a big... I, I, do you know what I was doing? I was actually uh, wearing my England 2000 goalie shirt, just taking shots from my dad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the, the trees were quite far apart, so it was actually quite good training for a nine-year-old as a goalie. That's good. Um, <laughs> but I uh, just couldn't watch it. Um, but people that did watch it, you too. Um, I feel that you know he got a lot of stick after that, didn't he? he got a lot. Yeah, of right. I mean, so. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it was. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, classic, classic <laughs> England fan revisionist. Oh, but, David Beckham got sent off in '98. Oh, Phil Neville caused the, all the problems. The, the, Anti-United agenda. The, the, the thing about it is, is that part of me thinks, yeah, all right, it, it was a rash challenge or whatever, and he stuck a leg out. But we shouldn't have been in that position anyway. Correct. Like you said they we should have been battering. Correct. The we should have been absolutely. We shouldn't have been like trying to hang on for a for a two all or whatever. Like, to, oh, that's enough. We should have been three nil up. And it should. If you give a penalty away and it goes to three one, we still won anyway. But it was it was de- it was desperate. It was desperate stuff. And I think at that point, it was a lot of people obviously over the years had really questioned Kevin Keegan's technical nous and ability. But at that point, I thought, yeah, he's not that good. Well, yeah. He, again, it's quite. Do you know what I mean? That, like revisionist to go into the tournament while we're going to win everything and yeah, score loads of goals, then you realise you've dropped a two-goal lead against Portugal and a two-one lead against yeah. uh, Romania. Now you're out. Exactly. And I was like, yeah, these are bring, these, these, bring these, in these. Fabio Capello. To, you know that obviously worked well, didn't it's it? The German, German FA redesigned their whole outlook on football, and we just knocked down Wembley and then don't build St George's Park for another ten years, do we? <laughs> That's the plan, isn't it? Exactly. It worked, didn't it? Uh, well, it might do this year. Come on, England! <laughs> On to Group B now. We're going to flash through the other groups. Group B contained Italy, Turkey, Belgium and Sweden. Belgium, like we've said, were the host nation. Uh, they finished third. They lost out on the last game of the group stages, 2-0 to Turkey. They only needed a point. What's really good about those games is, especially the Dutch, which we'll get on to, and, and the Belgian fans as well, they like, you know, when everyone's gone in the right, everyone, they've all wore red. Yeah. The Dutch have all wear orange. Uh, you, don't, you don't get that with England, I don't think. You know, when they're F1 for like Max Verstappen, they're all there bouncing. Yeah, I don't yeah. think we have that with England. No. It's split, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think England fan culture is an interesting one because you, it, it is split very much with, in a sense of clubs that maybe down south, clubs that are up north. Yeah. Like, there's a big split. England is a big place. And but a lot like, different. I've never understood, like, I'm just always like proper, because I'm a Birmingham City fan, even when English clubs are in the Champions League, which I know you two will because you support teams that actually win games. But I'm, I'm just like <laughs> pro-England teams. and But I still think that seeps into a bit of like England fan culture, like you said, doesn't it? But then I also feel that there's this weird vibe to it. Look, look, if you go down Old Trafford and you watch your Man United play Liverpool and you hate Steven Gerrard, you can't just turn that off. Yeah, but I, I, really, find, I, I find that... Obviously, for, you, for yourself, it's different. But for me, that's how I feel. Yeah, but I really want Jack Grealish to do well. Yeah, but I like... So, for example, Jack, I love Jack Grealish. Yeah, but you don't, you don't hate Jack Grealish. But then you should hate Jack Grealish. Yeah, I know I should hate... That's what I'm saying. So, what's... Well, come on. Well, I like Jack Grealish. <laughs> what's up with you? <laughs> no, he's a good lad. Um, let's, get back to, let's get back to Group B in Euro 2000. Can I just put a name in here? Emil and Penza. Oh, oh one of say the that, best players on Beast. Football Manager... Of all, one of the best players of all time. Can you shake your hand? He had so many twenties. Pace, finishing, 
Yeah. Just a legend back in the day. I don't think he was that great a player, but... Current Inter, Milan, current Inter Milan manager... Um, Antonio Conte. Antonio Conte scores a bicycle kick in the group stages. One of well. the goals of the tournament, I would say, Will. I'll put Ooh, my hat on that. Let's just read some names out, because I think as, when you go back down the nostalgia angle, Henrik Larsson, Del Piero, Hakan Suker. Yep. <laughs> oh. Knocked out Belgium, of course. Totti. I think the interesting side with that Italian front line, you've got Del Piero, you've got Totti, oh, yeah. you've got Inzaghi, you've got Del Vecchio, you have some top quality yeah. 90s strikers. And that's what I think going into these tournaments, especially Euro 2000, was it was always like you were discovering new players. Maybe not from the Italians, but Ad, I don't know about you, I know the Hakan care, but after it, I was looking to get it on the back of my shirt. Absolutely. I mean, and it was that's what was so great about you know, this this tournament, you'd get, and, and they weren't just scoring goals, it was just incredible goals they were scoring. Absolutely amazing. But just to touch on Italy again, I think this is where we saw that it was the, you know, they were starting to build for something. And ultimately, obviously, they went on to win, win the World Cup, you know, six years later. They probably had a better squad here, actually. Didn't Do you know, it, it was an incredible squad. And um, obviously, they reached the latter stage, which we'll get to in just a little bit. But, you know, obviously... Bit disappointment for one of the uh, host nations not to not to make it because usually there's extra pressure, isn't there? As well, well to be like, you, uh, I mean, two years later in Korea, you normally do get the referees going for you allegedly, um, but <laughs> let's not go into that because we probably haven't got the lawyers to cover <laughs> the libel bill. I'm nothing part of that. I'm a full fully behind South Korea. Um, group B saw Italy and Turkey go through, like we've mentioned, and then we go on to Group C which was Spain, Yugoslavia. Um, we, we had a really good um, off uh, <laughs> podcast debate about what took up Yugoslavia at the time. But we had the debate about Yugoslavia. Do you want to go into this? No, not at all. No, um, let's so move Spain, on. Yugoslavia, Norway, Slovenia. Let's go through some names. Stefan Iverson of Tottenham fame. Yeah. I'll not, tell you, there was, there was someone on. in this tournament who you didn't realise how, how good he was who? until Savo Milosevic. Oh, right. He scored an absolute bag full of goals in this tournament. Um, and we'd seen him play for Villa for mm. a good few years before that, and he was like average. You, you know were saying what I mean? you and, had um, a little penchant for Slovenia as well. Was yeah, well, the they had that, that um, Zahavic who ended up being, even though they didn't, you know, Slovenia didn't do great, but the, no one expected him to anyway. But he had some great games, and he was, I think he might have played in the German league at the time, but he was an incredible player, one of these complete mavericks who do any like a magician on the ball kind of vibe he was unbelievable what a player Dave this Spain squad it's pre tiki tacker as well isn't it yeah it's a little bit more route one we've seen some pretty long ball goals flick-ons down I think the the, the winner in the Yugoslavia game um, from Alfonso was very much a long ball up to a big target man a flick down and a, and a lovely finish but I think this was the, the hipsters group of choice I think Yugoslavia were involved in some really good games in this tournament a lot of goals scored a lot of goals conceded and I think that's like um, you know kind of like that nostalgic vibe in a sense of obviously it's no longer a country but back in the day, Yugoslavia were very, very good. Obviously, a lot of good nations made up Yugoslavia. Uh, but I do think, look, it's, it's a different Spain, um, very much a different Yugoslavia. So it's, it was an interesting group for sure. Well, they get out. Spain only get out of the group with a 94th yeah. minute and a 95th minute winner. That is potentially one of the one of the games of the tournament. That, Pe- people look back on that and, and talk about that. In it was so exciting, end to end. Like you say, two goals in 94th, 95th minute. Imagine and, uh, that! Imagine watching that, and you score two. Like, I mean, that's almost Paul Caddis-esque against Bolton for Birmingham. I, I, that's you know? exactly what I thought. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing is, I was reading a little review about that as well the other day, and they're saying that, I mean, this is unbelievable. A journalist at the time watched that game 
And then he got his immediate reaction in the stadium and he said, I don't think I'll ever see a better game than this ever. I mean, I think that was a bold claim for him to make at the time, but it was definitely one of the standouts. Imagine if England had done that though to get oh. out of a group, two goals in stoppage time. You'd remember that even as a young stat man. You would, as you a would. stat man. But I think that's what England didn't have. Oh, cutting okay. edge. I'm trying to, you know, live in the mood. We, know a, we got we, knocked it, out, but it, this it, is Spain pre tiki taka. Well, it was a weird <laughs> group that as well, because obviously Spain, oh, Spain won the group with that, with those late goals against Yugoslavia, but they got beaten the opening game by Norway one 0 Well, you're really coming up against Stefan Iverson. Exactly. You know, There's nothing you can do, is there? He's an absolute battering ram. Let's uh, so Spain and Yugoslavia qualified for that with that late drama. Group D, which is the final group, because we've had the expansion, which I know is probably another debate for uh, another day. So that all these teams went straight into the quarterfinal. So Group D contained Denmark, Czech Republic, France, and Netherlands. Uh, France coming off the back of the World Cup win. They started strong with the 3-0 win against Denmark. No, Netherlands and France had all qualified by the last game, but um, we saw a Birmingham legend uh, play in the tournament as well, Christoph Dugarry, um, oh. which, you know... I thought you were going to say Bolo Zenden. He didn't play for Birmingham. First, did he not play no, for Birmingham? No, we had Jesper Gronkiar, Mario Melchior. Definitely Zenden. Which, which Premier League club was he at? Was it Middlesbrough? Is it Middlesbrough? Yeah, Liverpool. Because yeah. he looked good in the tournament, actually, Bolo's ending. Very yeah, impressive from, from the left-hand side. Is he the one to watch at the time? I think so, yeah. But I think this was the tournament of Patrick Cliver. I think this is where he yeah. kind of fully shone. Uh, some really, really good goals throughout the tournament. Again, we'll move on to the knockout stage in a sec. Um, and one of the goals I've ever seen. Have you seen the Frank de Boer goal against France? No. Okay. Yes. All right, well, I, I prepared for this moment, Will. Let's get some live reaction. No, I have seen it, but I can't remember it because I watched a video called All Goals Euro 2000. <laughs> I, I found myself on that. But luckily, I saved this for you, Will. Cause... I was really disappointed because doing the research, you used to get those lovely VHSs where it would be like, you know, a lovely roundup of the group stages and tournament. Yeah. Talk me through this, right? So it's uh, Frank de Boer. No, no, no. So it was, we're rolling now. So we're rolling now. Bowler's ending. ending again. Just one of the players of the tournament. To Love it. She's mine. Hold on. One to watch. Right, ready for this. Here we go. So, uh, where is the final game? Oh, he's hit that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, that, oh, yeah, I've seen this. Sorry, yeah. So, it's about 40 yards yeah. out. Free kick outside the box. Frank, Frank the ball Frank, steps yeah. up. Absolutely wellies it with his left peg. Outside the boot swerve. We talk a lot about that Roberto Carlos free kick. I'd argue that that... Even better. Let, well, no, the keeper gets hand to it, Dave, so have, you are incorrect. Let, let's have a little look at the uh, that squad, the Netherlands squad. Obviously, they had the, oh, the home on, advantage yeah. as well. Jesus, so they, were, they would have been one of the pre-tournament favourites. Apart from, obviously, having France in their group, mm-hmm. who could have arguably been one of the favourites as well, going into it after the World Cup. Um, but honestly, you look at this uh, Netherlands squad from 2000. Go on, hit absolutely me. Absolutely ridiculous. Van der Sar, oh. Reisiger, Yapstam, oh. Frank de Boer, Bolo oh. Zenden, mm. Clarence Sador, Philip Koku, Edgar Davids, Patrick Cliver, Dennis Bergkamp and Mark Overmars as the, as the one to 11. That is ridiculous. It's balance. Absolutely ridiculous. You happy with that? I'm happy with that And squad. then you've also got people like Van Bronckhorst as well. Um, you've got Paul Bosfeld in there. You've got um, uh, Ronald De Boer, uh, Van Hoydonk, um, Aaron Winter, Roy Mackay, Sander Westerveld as oh. uh, one of the backup keepers. Ed De Hoy as well. A lot of quality so goal scorers it, it, in that. It, it seemed to be that, mm. that era of all those players actually com- coming together and that I mean if they're ever going to win a tournament this was it this was it that on paper is ridiculous how many how many players there have achieved great things for the club and they just had that thing the Netherlands have never quite been able to get over the line yeah and I don't know what it was it was a psychological thing the English mentality it it was just it was something just didn't quite click I don't think there's actually been 
you know, for for them, that was un- they've never had that that generation of, of talent coming come come through like that. Ooh, we've had the Johan Cruyff generation. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah, <laughs> they, right, they, yeah. they missed out on was it Euro? Was it World Cup? Was it ninety? They got beat by Germany. Yeah, but I think that's where maybe the mentality came from, in a sense of not doing it. Yeah, but he, t- he scored twelve goals in the tournament more than any other team. I think that was the the side of it. They were. In a way, the the, the people's favourites. Yeah, but home that, nation score lots of goals. It, it was all set up for them to win this tournament. Yeah. It, it was all every all the conditions were perfect. It, 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 they've got to be their best chance ever to have won something. But did they win the tournament? We'll be back to talk about the knockouts <laughs> after this short break. Hello, um, hello there. What voice do you want me to do? We'll do a little bit. I'll just do my voice. Do your voice. Yeah, thanks. Hello, I'm Joe Marler. People think I hate people, but I don't. (laughs) I actually love interaction with people. I love finding out what jobs they do and whether I could do what they do. The Joe Marler Show. Joe Marler Show. With new episodes every Wednesday. Describe Maynooth University in three words. You're in control. Young, bold, progressive. Skills for life. Gives you choice. Feel so happy. Choose the university that puts you first. Best decision ever. Virtual Open Days, November 26th and 27th. Visit openday.maynoothuniversity.ie. Maynooth University. No, no bounds. When you bet fair on football, you get daily rewards. So any day can be a big deal. So whether it's a lower league match day, a top flight derby day, or a Champions League superstar showdown day, this week we're doubling our daily rewards. Get a 10 euro free bet when you bet 20 euro worth of multiples or bet builders. Double daily rewards because we're bet fair. Max 10 euros free bet per day. Each bet must have at least one selection of minimum odds of 1.5 or 1 to 2 or more. Free bet valid 24 hours on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. 18 plus visit gamblingcare.ie. Welcome back to 21st Century Football, where we are talking about Euro 2000, and we've entered the dreaded knockout stages. England are already gone, and for the second time in tournament football, the golden goal system was applied <laughs> by the first team. To what are you laughing at? I love the concept of golden goal. It's brilliant. Were you being sarcastic? No, I actually quite like. It. I think it's. I think it's. Well, it's drama, isn't it? Like it's. It's more drama than going penal- going to a penalty shootout or allowing it to play for the 120 minutes. Well, yeah. I, I don't it's want just to, um... ecstatic. I don't want to put my member on the table, but I was actually speaking to Thierry Henry recently. Uh, oh, yeah. Thierry. Uh, How was he? Uh, yeah, good. He's all right. Yeah. He says, but obviously, they, the France were so beneficial of the Golden Goal rule. I think two mm. in the World Cup. Yeah. They had one here as well. No, sorry. One in the World Cup, two here. But we were saying a modern... Because the best thing about it is if you score, you just walk off and you've won. Yeah, it's, that's what I found that weird, though, in about it. Because, you know, when you... Good weird you, or bad weird? Uh, like bad weird because I, I feel like you set yourself up for like all right we've got extra time here potentially penalties and you know and as a, it, for managers and players you go right we can get back in this we can reset after the 90 and and it's like if it goes in in the first two it's like oh that's it then is it all right okay well it was, it was actually it was taken out because teams were too defensive so they got to a point where because it, it had such importance on that one goal that teams you would just not attack yeah in yeah. extra time we'll just wait so for pens. they just wait for pens so it's kind of like i think that's why they they took it out but i like the rule it's exciting 
It's more exciting than than just the the thirty minutes extra yeah. time because yeah. people the do play for leggy, penalties. Then. Yeah, 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 you know yeah, that yeah. you know you're not knocking down. So that, again, like they play for penalties anyway. So why not have this golden goal? Has a great name. What was the silver goal rule? Well, didn't you play both halves? But if you were winning by at the half end of time, the second, yeah, yeah. If you if you're one up at if you if you're winning by half time, then it get it stops at half time. I think yeah. it was. Yeah. And this is what I mean. Sometimes you think you've overthought that there. Yeah, just <laughs> to, I'd I'd be happy with golden goal and a little bit of VAR. Imagine VAR oh, with golden goal. Yeah, it's all right if, if you're not playing, like you know, like the Leicester Chelsea game, because you can just enjoy the sheer drama and entertainment. But if England were victims, what to do it, you make of it? Will golden goal. I love it. Did I you do. love it? I think it's a bit of sort of like uh, I love it. I do. Um, it's a bit Americanized, isn't it? Like the you know, like kicking a field goal in the last minute and you just walk off and you've won the game. And so I was going to throw it more down like Parks football. Like you're playing like yeah, Wembley goal, doubles. Ne- you know what I mean? Golden goal there. Yeah, the like, next goal wins more kind like, of thing. Yeah. They should do. Or, I think they should do something different. You know, like take a player off every minute. Or <laughs> <laughs> I think extra time. Kind of like the, survi- the survival cup on FIFA. Five v five yeah, on yeah. an eleven v eleven pitch. <laughs> Headers or volleys. Uh, just thirty minutes of extra time. I just find that really like stagnant and boring at the end of a match. Yeah, no, I agree. Sometimes it isn't great because everyone just you, no one wants to be. I reckon it'd be like only long shots. You've got yeah. to score from outside the box. Yeah. Or just do one for a long time. This, this is the type of reasons why they got rid of the golden goal. Long shots only. Jesus it, Christ. He went to silver goal and before Adam, you, you know stop it. stop it, all right? Before yeah, you know I'll it. I want to fall out with you. <laughs> long right, shots only. Gold, Gerard Beckham. Um, exactly. The quarterfinals saw Turkey versus Portugal. They won 2-0. Nuno Gomes. Nuno Gomes. Goal, goal, goal. Um, Italy versus Romania. So England would have faced Italy. So, I mean, we probably just saved ourselves a little bit of heartache there, didn't we? Mm. I'd say so. I'd say so. I think the interesting side is that poacher in Zaghi, Gomez, yeah. grabbing the goals in, in really key moments and then move on to the Netherlands. Well, speaking of poachers, there was one in prime action and prime form. Dave, you pointed him out earlier. Patrick Cliver in a 6-1 win. He gets a hat-trick. Over Yugoslavia. One of the, the you know, the hipsters teams of choice. This would have been the game back in the day. Did you um, have a Yugoslavia shirt? I would have done, I think. I would have done. Maybe a Clivert shirt as well. I think I liked Clivert as a kid growing up. Um, I think he was one of my favourite players with oh. the likes of Gabriel Batistuta and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Nice. Um, but Clivert, the, you know, go back and watch his hat-trick. Lovely hat-trick. Really clean finisher. Um, and you'd say this was probably his prime. This was when it was Patrick Clivert was probably one of, regarded as one of the best strikers in world football. Um, but just to pair him with the rest of that Netherlands team, as we sort of pre-mentioned, the relationship he had with Dennis Bergkamp was very, very good. They were a good front too. And again, we're sort of talking about tens. See, Dennis is a little bit of that, isn't he? Dropping off the line, playing, but very much the focal point of the entirety of their team was Patrick Cliver. And I think we've got to remember him as a very good player. Because for some reason, he always seems to miss people's discussions when we talk about good centre-forwards. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I think he... Cause he I think Top scorer with five goals in the tournament, just to wrap that stats up. And I think because he kind of... He declined fairly quickly as well. He did, didn't he? yeah. He had, a, he, had a, he had a really high peak, but I think we forget that that's what, what football was in a sense, wasn't yeah. it? Like players wouldn't stay at the top for four or five years. Now, yeah. obviously, with the way that medical science has evolved, maybe that's why we're seeing, you know, Messi for a long time, Ronaldo for a long time. Maybe we'll see Haaland and Mbappe for a long time, but Harry very much Kane. it was Harry Kane for a long time. He's English. He's, he's English. Yeah, but I you know what I mean? You had, you had Shearer as well. Obviously, Shearer was one of those players that, that was at this tournament that consistently scored goals. And he was there for a, for a you know a period, but did have seasons out with, with knee injuries and so mm. forth. Michael Owen, 
he'd have benefited from a bit of modern science. If he'd have been in a cryo chamber from 18, Could have been, yeah. he'd have still been playing now. Yeah. That's just my thoughts. Could on have it. been, mate. M- Milosevic popping up again. again. I think, did he, was he joint top scorer? Yeah, with, with five goals. Yeah, with Clive, which yeah. is a great return for him uh, in, in, you know, playing the Yugoslavia team. Unbelievable. I think, I think you can put a case, obviously, for that game being the, the game of the round by the sheer number of goals, but to have Spain versus France... Two European giants pitted against each other. France took the lead 1-0. Zinedine Zidane with an absolute peach of a free kick. Mendieta gets a penalty. Yuri Djorkaev scores a goal pre-Bolton before Big Sam got into him. But the thing that Wikipedia won't tell you unless you click the report button was Raul (laughs) had a penalty for Spain in, I think, 89th minute. Mendieta has got to be fuming now, hasn't he? Well, Mendieta scored one, you're right, Dave. You've got to remember Mendieta as well. At that time, I think he was the most expensive... A transfer from going to Lazio. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah but which is, you know, you've got to be fuming, haven't you? So, what, I wonder what's happened there. Then he's just been told to step aside. Or is he, was he up? Was he off? Maybe. Let's stay for the narrative. He's been told to step aside. Rao's gone up confident, and uh, to take it to would have been taking it to golden goal, and he blazes <sighs> over. Strike. And uh, France progress, which gives us a semi-final four of. France, they're taking on Portugal and Italy, Netherlands. We'll get the Italy Netherlands game out of the way because it's nil nil. Um, it goes all the way through extra time, through golden goal, goes to penalties. And watching it, Yap Stam steps up to take the second penalty. Now, there's a lot of discussion about putting your striker first or fifth, you know. But you, Frank De Boer was their penalty taker, and yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah, that's, that's a, fine. And he was number yeah. one, Dave. But there was set a piece but again, his penalty was poor. Yeah, from I think he scored a penalty. Was it against France? Was it in the group stages? No, that was no, a, no. It was a one nil win over Czech Republic. A really good penalty. You know, drilled it bottom corner. Lovely stuff. But then to hit it straight down the throat. Is it one of these things where they? They, they generally bottled it here. Well, at least the ball hit the target because Yap Stam absolutely <laughs> thunder bastards the ball. I, I think I remember that, and it was it was an arena as well, and I think it's nearly hit the top of the roof. Um, <laughs> Italy obviously called calm under pressure. They get there, and then the other semi final, absolute drama in that one. Portugal go one nil up. Um, what well, I should say, sorry, about the Italy-Netherlands game, that's the host nations out as well. Mm, One of gone. the pre-tournament favourites. A lot of pressure on them there as well when they get into that penalty shootout. You can imagine expectation yeah. weighing on the shoulders. What's you know, the um, what's the highest stake penalty that you've ever taken? Probably into form football. Oh. Uh, maybe would have been year nine, possibly. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to say I scored mine. Did you? Yeah, cool, calm and collected. Hard low, bottom corner. Can't go wrong. Lovely. And they're on them small nets as well, obviously. Five, um, fives or sevens? Fives. Um, so you, you you do well to actually get in the team. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because you know you you one of say you the elite of your yeah exactly because you like you know like the, the provisional squads so eleven maybe there's <laughs> eleven twelve in the provisional squad uh, so yeah to make it on on the team itself is, is pretty good form I scored mine we missed two and yeah. we lost the penalty shootout unfortunately oh, I think the thing with penalties I find it really interesting from a psychological perspective of you can train this thing over and over and over again and get a set rhythm and technique but it appears that some players wouldn't have done that so for example Yap Stam. Would you see Yap Sam on the training ground practicing no. penalties over and over again? Yeah, he's second choice in this thing where you'd know that the Italians would have practiced penalties many times before. And as we've seen with with Italy, with Germany over the years, they just seem to have a knack at the, yeah. in these moments that they rely on maybe their technique or they rely on their that their, their character in a sense. They're kind of calm. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Netherlands. Well, the thing is as well, it. is that even 
even players that do practice penalties, sometimes it comes to it and they bottle it. Do you know what I mean? They think, oh, don't fancy this. You know, you have managers going around going, I need five names, I need five. But I'd argue that his rhythm is is doing it over and over again. It's repetition. It's it's like a Johnny Wilkinson, England rugby, Australia, same technique over and over again. All the best penalty takers have have a technique they do over and over again. Harry Kane. Same technique. Shearer, Letizia, Bruno Fernandes in recent memory. Seb Larson. Cristiano I mean, Ronaldo. Have you, have you ever bottled it on a penalty, Will? Have you ever, I, I once stepped aside because I didn't feel confident. <laughs> it was in a, a charity football game for a radio station and playing against the listeners and it went to a shootout. I think it was like scripted a bit though. You know what I mean? It was like, I think we were actually winning 3-2 yeah. and then it was like, oh, should we stand on a shootout? And I'm like, no, we've won. Yeah. <laughs> the next thing you know, we're stepping up to a shootout and we'll it takes all. And like, right, Adam shot a penalty. I was like, no, nah, I don't feel it. I'm not feeling it. I was in, we used to, it's uh, a bit of a shit story. And there's nothing at stake in this game, by the way. I just well, didn't there is, though, you yeah, gotta put it. You're playing for pride. I just remember, we used to have, uh, we, do you have middle schools up here? Middle school? Sounds quite posh, that, though. No, it's not posh. <laughs> it's just the way the system works down there. <laughs> what, the bloody bloody council. Bit, <laughs> um, <laughs> a bit more money on education. <laughs> middle school. Because all our friendship group went to the same high school, but then it was split into two middle schools. So we used to have our middle school game versus each other when we were older. <sighs> So um, I actually had a penalty for that, which I think I missed. But I just remember being so nervous for that, but for a game that didn't really matter. Yeah. But then you throw yourself into... So you mentioned how bloody Apstam's no, feeling. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Should we move on to France versus Portugal? Portugal take the lead, Nuno Gomez. Who's had a great tournament, by the way. Yeah, well, he seems to pop up all the time here. Yeah? Thierry Henry gets a goal. Um, then it goes to extra time. Golden goal. The French love a golden goal. It's a handball on the line by um, Abel Xavier. Is that the correct yep. pronunciation? Abel and, Xavier. And Xavier. He, Xavier. Xavier. And he's absolutely supermaned it off the line. And they go, which I know you would go wild. Oh, no, he went absolutely wild. But he was just so in denial. Yeah. And I, I get that to a point, but even the penalty goes in and, spe- and France walk off and they're going straight to the linesman. Yeah. Oh, Xavier. He, he slapped it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but do you remember the fallout afterwards? No, no. So Xavier ended up getting a ban. Did he? What Could, for his pro, pro, protestations? He, yeah, I mean, he was already he was like quite an iconic figure in that tournament. Anyway, he became a bit of a cult icon of the tournament. <laughs> he bleached his hair. He, didn't he? he had the, the mad like bleach blonde hair, and then he went off at the referee so bad after that. I mean, it was clearly obvious what he did. So I think when you watch it, you think I don't know what you like. You just watch it back, mate. Yeah. Like, see, but he went. So he got a nine month ban. Nine months? Yeah, and then it got reduced to six. Bloody but hell. yeah, he got a six-month ban just for his, <laughs> his conduct against the referee. He was, I mean, he, was pretty, he did take it a bit too far, to be fair to him. But this is before... I think he signed for... I don't know if he played for Everton at the time or he signed for Everton just afterwards. But yeah, he was. He went absolutely wild. It's worth watching back, by the way, because it is pretty funny. Which is, you know, we've all given away a handball, but, you know, just just accept your fate, Dave. <laughs> absolutely not. Berate the officials. You're a bit of a shit outside. Absolutely. I mean, also, you'd want to, like, spare your blushes, wouldn't you? Do you know what I mean? If I'd done that in the yeah. form, I'd be, I'd be protesting to the PE teacher. Yeah, but you could get away with it because there's not, like, 45 cameras there picking up your actions. <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on the world stage. Yeah, he got a nine off bad, I'd have just got detention. Yeah. <laughs> then we move on to the final, which is France versus Italy. Um, where were we all watching this one? Can we remember? Ad, I don't want to be, uh, don't want to throw you under the bus, but you were a little bit older. Were you still? I was, I was at home, mate. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was only thirteen. I was out having a couple of beers, wasn't we, mate? You know, um, you know. I, I imagine you were probably training in the park again. With, with oh, yeah, yeah. I had the Nigel Martin thirteen jersey on. <laughs> I thought you were in the park when the games were on. Oh, I, um, no, I just watched it at home, mate, and I remember I, again at this point. I, I kind of, 
I couldn't call it. I, I did fancy France, especially after that Portugal game. I remember thinking they had that extra little something where you just felt they could dig a little bit deeper when it came to it. But yeah, I mean, great, great, great final, I think that. So Italy go one up. Del Vecchio, which is an absolute name that just runs through me and gives me that nostalgia, Dave. <laughs> Del Vecchio. Um, and then it comes down to the 93rd minute. I don't want to drop the old name again, but speaking to Thierry Henry recently about it. I was he fine? Yeah, he says hello. Um, he actually said because you know we we were given all the superlatives about Toldo. He said Will Tord pops up in the 93rd minute, and if you watch the goal, there's no right for him to score because all Toldo has to do is literally just stand up, hits him, either blocks it with his feet, but for some reason, bit of magic in the air, Will Tord's shot goes underneath him, and in the 93rd minute. They equalised to take it to extra time and golden goal. Will he had a habit of doing that? Will Todd, he was just a Old Trafford. Of, yeah, he's just one of them players who could just pop up and get <laughs> and, and get you a goal just out of nothing. He, he was, I think, he was a little bit underrated in, in some ways. Will Todd, he was a great player to bring off the bench, one he as well, and just good pace, direct, like had a great eye for goal, Better composure. Yeah, just just a, a good solid all round player, and you know he's pretty decent for Arsenal to be fair. So yeah, that takes it. Straight, you know, 93rd minute. I mean, at that point, you think to yourself, Italy, how close for Italy to winning that tournament when you think yeah, about it? 93, it must be absolute heart. It's massive. seconds. Oh. Seconds away from winning it. And then we go to the golden goal where David Trezeguet immortalises his name in French history with a finish. You can replicate volleys with a bit of luck. You can replicate long shots. With it. But the technique on this, the ball's behind him and the power he generates to get it into the top corner, Dave. Is, is, something, is something that you'd be very proud of. You would be pretty proud of that, but I think the, the, the game was was an interesting one in terms of nullifying Zinedine Zidane. Player of the tournament, in my opinion, you know, had a great uh, Euro 2000, but at that point, obviously, he'd played for Juve for a long time. A lot of those players in that Italy team, in that squad, the likes of Conte, you know, they know what Zinedine Zidane's about. Um, and it's one of the finals where they kind of nullified him in a sense. And, you know, one of the first real good defensive jobs on Zinedine Zidane, which could have built up what people do in the future with him is, is dealing with him like Italy did. And I think that's a, a part of the Italian culture and nature and football that they do nullify threats. Yeah. They are a defensively minded side overall. They had the wonderful goal scorers at this tournament, as we pre-mentioned, but it was a defensive team that got to the final because of their defence, not their attack. And obviously it came down to the squad, the will towards the, the Trezeguets. They hadn't started. Obviously, Omri, um, Zidane and Djorkev were, were the main kind of attackers in, in, in mid, the attacking midfielders, in a sense. And I think that's a line where you look at France and you look at the depth, and that's probably the reason why they won this. The depth in their squad was probably the best at the tournament. And that's what it comes down to as well, because, I mean, let's throw back to the group stages. I mean, they're bringing on Will Tord and Trezeguet and we're bringing on Dennis Wisehad. He speaks volumes, mate. I couldn't put it better myself. But you look at... Um, it's a brutal, it's such a brutal way to lose a tournament as well. Just that walk-off football, yeah, isn't it? I just think something about the walk-off is even more devastating than... Like, if you go to the full... You know, play the full 120 minutes... And you think, all right, well, we're chasing the game till the very last minute, and we, we know we're, you're almost still in it, aren't you? Until the very end, even mm-hmm. if you know if you one goal down, and it's you know you're playing to the very end of extra time, but to go bang, there you go, we're done. I just think it's absolutely brutal. I'd I mean, it's great to, if you you know as a, as a neutral watching it because like mm. like Dave said, it's it makes it super exciting, and it was a great, it, it was a brilliant way to win a tournament. Can you imagine if we'd have lost if we'd have lost that tournament in that manner? Just talking to the last little stats on, on that, that depth. Um, you're looking at Sylvain Wiltord played three hours at the tournament, uh, two goals and an assist, a goal involvement every 60 minutes. Again, off the bench. Same as uh, David Trezeguet, didn't start a single game in the knockout uh, stages. 
but they made the most of obviously his, his cameo appearance in the final. You know, get, being involved in that first goal, yeah, and then scoring the second. It's what we call in the business the Edair mentality, uh, where you come off the Edair mentality. Yeah, that's it, a... even the Sylvan Wiltord and Trezeguet did it before Edair, but Edair's the guy. Yeah, but I think Edair, you go. He's played for Swansea and he's just won the Euros for Portugal, which, <laughs> which we will come on to. Uh, gents, Euro 2000. Add, I, I'm really not trying to bring up that you were older at the time, but where, <laughs> yeah, yeah. sorry, but where do you rank this in terms of your favourite Euros? Uh, Take England out of it. Yeah, that's the only problem. Uh, no, got, actually, you, leave England Right, you, well, you know, if England would have got further, it would have been right up there for me. In yeah. terms of enjoying the games, though, I think there was some absolutely brilliant football played, some fantastic games. Just it was just England sort of bowed out with a whimper, didn't they? That's the only problem. I'm going to say it's up there though in terms of like sheer entertainment. Um, I, I enjoyed the tournament. I loved it. Just really, really wish England would at least just get out of the group stages to make it a little bit better. Love that. Um, who was your player of the tournament, Dave? Yeah, it was Zinedine Zidane. Yeah. As much as they they dealt with him in the final, looking at the the stats for him, um, most passes in the final third completed, most dribbles completed, carried the ball nearly a kilometer. Wow. At his feet, so progressive distance, insane. I think. That's why Italy had to have a plan for him in the final, that he'd gone through the rest of the tournament, scored some massive clutch goals. You talk about the free kick against Spain. Big, big goal there. The golden goal in the semi-final, the penalty. Takes a lot to step up from the spot and have that composure. So you've definitely got to give it to Zinedine Zidane. I think shout-outs to, to Patrick Clivert as well. We've given him a lot of praise. Uh, Nuno Gomez. I think it was the kind of number 10 poach. I kind of agree with that number yeah. 10 poachers was a big part of it. Rui Costa, obviously, for Portugal, uh, stood up. And it could have been David Beckham's tournament. It really could have been. Three assists in three games. Yeah. I mean, but that, England that first let game, him down. he started... He, he, the first two goals that England scored, bang, straight Great in. balls from David Beckham. Yeah. So just, yeah, just to reiterate, they, England let David Beckham down <laughs> in that tournament. I want to say play with the tournament for me. Um, obviously Zidane would, would be right up there, but I'm going to say Patrick Cliver just because I think it's the time where, as Dave said before, we saw him. All this, he'd been sp- spoken about since, you know, he's, he scored that goal in uh, the European Cup when he was like 17, 18 or something, didn't he? 95. Yeah, and it was Champions like, League yeah, and, win, and, Ajax. And you, you felt Louis like Van Gaal. for all those years, it was like, right, Cliver, he's going to... And he was always scoring goals, but you felt like he'd properly done it on the international stage at this point. And, and for him to get the Golden Boot home home tournament, all right, he shared it with Aston Villa legend Savo Milosevic, but uh, it was also great in that tournament. I'm going to say Cliver for me. What well, do you reckon, Will? Uh, I'm going to go Zidane. Um, and Dave's already more articulately laid out why he was the player of the tournament. But what are we saying for match of the tournament? I'm thinking it's a toss-up between that Spain and France quarter-final or the France and Portugal semi-final, just for the sheer amount. Whoa, 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 whoa. hold on. You're, you're ignoring the, the, the 4-3 classic between Spain, Spain and Yugoslavia. No, I think that's good. Joking aside. Yeah, yeah. I'd, that, I'd that say that game or the Netherlands 6-1. I think yeah, Yugoslavia but, have got to be there. They've got to be. It's either one. Will, you can pick I'll give the you Spain the, game I'll, or the Netherlands I'll game. I'll give you the 4-3 because like we said, if we put ourselves in some Spanish shoes and England scored two goals in stoppage time to see us win a game and qualify out the group stages, <laughs> the amount of beer Drama. that would be spilled, guys. <laughs> 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 not, not in my pint glass. <laughs> no, I reckon that 4-3, do. definitely. Yeah? Yeah. That is scenes. That's unprecedented scenes. Right, gents. Right, gents, and finally, we look at iconic moment as well. Add where are we going? Well, I, I'm, you know, I don't want to go to the obvious of David Trezeguet you know, doing golden goals, the obvious yes. one. I'm going to say Ab- Abel Xavier, kind of... Slapping it off the line. The, the, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's a pivotal moment in itself in the in, in the sense that France go on to ultimately win that game and go and win the tournament. But yeah. to see Abel Xavier, who, who, as I said before, became such a standout figure for, for that. Por- it was a great Portugal team, by the way. 
and for him to he just went off I wonder wild. if his mind tricked him that he didn't actually handball it so for like that half an hour he generally thought he was in the right <laughs> yeah. for him to protest that much and, and, and to, to get himself a, a, a nine month ban he must have he must have really believed that he'd done nothing wrong but it's just those moments like that I think that you got to look back on with a little bit of fondness in a way and it's just a complete craziness of football I think it's just the Sylvan Wiltord goal I think that's the only thing that actually sticks my mind from the entire tournament being a young lad knocking around the streets of Manchester back in the day but still I just remember that Sylvan Wiltord goal so so big as well massive moment in a final what, what, more, what more could you want can right. we just give a quick shout out to Yapstam as well yeah Yapstam and, and and his penalty because I remember that for a while um, a lot of my mates at United fans there was a lot of banter around that uh, afterwards, Twitter going, was about then. The, the ball's not landed, yeah. I've got it in my back garden. Yeah, yeah. It was all, it was all that, that came for it. That was, there was all those little, little jokes being made at the time. Hot words, hot takes. This has been 21st Century Football. Next, we are looking at Euro 2004, so make sure you stick around for that. We've got lots to chat about. We're getting all nostalgic as we build up for the Euro. Statman Dave, have you enjoyed yourself? I have. I, I saw a lot of goals that I've never seen before. That Frank de Boer goal, pff, what a goal. Love it. Out of you enjoyed yourself. I loved it, and also I like the fact you've uh, managed to hammer home just how old I am. So Sorry, I appreciate mate, that, yeah. Will. And and uh, such is age and time; it's only going to get worse as yeah. we go deeper into the. Are we going to have to get? Yeah, a- I was about forty, <laughs> and you're in your 2004. <laughs> right, we'll see you next time for Euro 2004. See you, bye. sound right boy crowd network a place where you belong this season live score is the only place where you can watch every single uefa champions league game for free that means more goals more unforgettable drama more end-to-end action and whether you're watching on your phone or tablet or casting to your tv the free live score app gives you even more ways to watch live score the new home of the uefa champions league it's more than a score download now on the app store or google play sports social podcast network with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.